Good morning. Aren't you? <clears throat> I, I, I was just sitting there as we were, or standing there as we were singing that song. Listen, he works things for our good and his glory. Or for his glory, for our good and his glory. I want you to think about this. The chief end of all things is to the glory of God. And, and, and the thing that we live in in this world is that it is for our glory and God is an end to a mean. Or he's a mean to an end. But in reality, all things are for the glory of God and God alone. I want to share with you for a few moments about friends. And as we continue in this series in encouragement, I want to ask you, how many friends do you have? Now that can be a loaded question. Of course, psychology will tell you you can only have one to two, maybe three good friends. The rest of them are acquaintances. And I'm sure that many of you have had what you would think were friends, but in times they had let you down. Would you concur with that? Those who said they would be with you to the end have let you down. There are those who have been abandoned for their faith in Christ. I have seen many people lose friends. A British publication once offered a large prize for the best definition of a friend. Why don't you listen to some of these? One of them that was submitted was, A friend is a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. Well, we appreciate that, Ralph Waldo Emerson. That's what what way you speak. I thought it was funny. Never mind. People don't speak like that anymore, you know. But I mean, that's a good, good, good thought. One of them was watch. Uh, you, what? Can read my own writing. Uh, a person that'll watch your back truly for all time. Eh, that's okay. But the winner of this publication said this: A friend is the one who comes in when the world goes out. That, that kind of hit me. When the world walks out, and I can assure you, in the time that we live in today, there are many people that will take many paths. They will disagree with you. They may fall out of fellowship with you. Simply over a small spat, or whether it be financial, whether it be uh, infidelity, whether it may be, they are those who will fall out of favor with you, even some for no reason at all other than you exist. But this morning I want to talk to you about true friendship. And I'm going to take a passage that you are familiar with, but I want to ask you this question. And I want you to think about this. What do your friends influence you to do? Now listen to me. What do your friends influence you to do? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 5 and we begin in verse 17. Jesus is in Capernaum. And he's teaching and he has this large crowd following him. And the religious, the Pharisees, the strict sect if you will... The conservative ones are following because they would follow every ounce of the law. Please stand with me as we read. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law 
sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. You may be seated. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. God, we thank you if we've been studying in our Sunday school class, in our small groups, and on Wednesday nights, that every word of Scripture is inspired, which means literally, God breathed. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, give us clarity and understanding that we know what our priorities are. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, I want to go through this text for a few minutes to give us an understanding of what's going on. Now, again, you have Jesus in Capernaum, and he's drawing large crowds because now his popularity is going out the top. People are going, who is this man? And what happens is you have this group of people, if you will, called the Pharisees that want to pick him apart. And they're all gathering, and the Bible says that they were coming from every village. So evidently, Jesus has struck a nerve. Now I want you to think about this. Here it is, 2,000 years, and Jesus still intimidates people. Even the religious. So they come down, and there's this large crowd, but there's a man that is, has palsy, as the Bible would say. He's a paralytic, and he can't get to Jesus himself. Now look what the text says. Jesus was in here, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Let me tell you something real quick. This is amazing. Now, Jesus, when he came to earth in his incarnation, set aside his divine attributes, but he still was God. I want you to think about that. So the power of healing was upon him. And as he is down, and he had been performing miracles, which that struck the nerves too, there were some men carrying this man on a bed who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him down and set him in front of him. But, you know, and, but when they try to get to him, there's a problem. And what's amazing to me is I sit here and study these texts. Three things came to my mind. Now, I want to give, I'm going to be in this, this, these set of verses for, for two weeks, if you will. But I want to focus on the friends for a few moments to try to give us some enlightenment of what friends do and what friends are. You see, the interesting thing about this is I want you to write these three words down as I said. They're very interesting to me, but I think they're very beautiful. Listen, the first thing that I want you to write down this morning 
is the friends had purpose. If you will see, this man is a paralytic. He cannot get somewhere on his own. He has to have someone carry him. And these men's purpose was to get him to Jesus. Think about this for a few minutes, brothers and sisters. Do any of your friends purposely point you to Christ? What do they do? Whatever it takes to get you to point to Christ. You see, in this purpose, they wanted to see their friend healed. I call this a vicarious faith, or others call it vicarious faith, which means, listen, these friends were so concerned about him that a man that couldn't stand up, they stood up for him. Have you ever heard of intercessory prayer? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. God addresses each person individual, but God has called upon us to pray for one another. There's been times when we've gotten on our knees and we pray for others. We intercede for those that can't intercede for themselves. And we stand in faith when we pray that God is going to do a work. They did not waste their time, but their purpose was to get Him to Jesus so He could be healed. How many friends you have want to do that? You know, I've had a lot of friends that point me away from Jesus that I thought were my friends. But a true friend to do whatever it takes to get you to Christ. Amen? Oh, we can do better than that. Is there a purpose to get you to Christ? Look what it says. And these men were carrying him on a mat. Now I want you to think about this. They weren't in a hospital bed. They didn't have a cot or gurney like you see. Most of the time, their cots that they would carry somebody on was really a piece of fabric where the man would be sunk in and they held the four corners trying to get him to where he needed to go. Let me tell you a little secret. A lot of times, I have thought through this and I've never shared it with any of you uh, or many of you, but in 1998, I went through the fire academy in South Carolina. In Columbia. It was rough. But anyway, I went there through for a couple weeks, went by because I was on my fire brigade at work. And, and when I went through there, the purpose was to, as we become firemen, is to also look out for individuals, to put our lives above everybody else, to rescue those who are in need. They paired me up with this man who had a very strong accent. And as we were going, I couldn't hardly understand what he was saying. Of course, I talked Southern. He couldn't understand what I was saying. It was kind of interesting. But as we're going, we're in the smokehouse. And the purpose of us was to get to the floors that were so heavily saturated with smoke to find the body and to drag it out. They had this dummy that was 150 pounds that we were supposed to rescue and bring him out. Now, back then, I don't know how it is, because like I said, it's been almost 30 years ago, but... What I remember is the oxygen bottle had like 22 minutes of, 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 of breathable air. Well, I'm a big boy. I had about seven minutes. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm hurting. And, and bless his heart, he weighed about four pounds soaking wet. So here I am. We, we going up there. And we find the body. Well, my alarm to my pack's going off. I'm out of air. And they tell you to take it off. Put it up under your arm. Okay. 
Well, anyway, we're up there now. He's running out there and he's beginning to panic. We find the body. And I don't know how, how, if you've ever tried to do this, but try to move six foot of 150 pound dead weight. So you give kudos to our fireman. I never will forget as I'm trying to pull him off. I'm struggling. He couldn't even lift a toenail and I'm trying my best to get this man off. He goes, let him die. Let's get out of here. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Let him die. Wow, what a buddy. But my purpose was to save that man at all costs. Now, I can't save a soul spiritually, but my purpose as a friend is to do whatever it takes to point Jesus, people to Jesus, that they may be convicted, that they may be saved. What if your friends give up on you like that? Just let him die. You see, the reality is this. People do die every day. You will too. But I praise God for those that had a purpose in my life. You see, when I had turned south, even souther, I had a friend that would call and pray with my wife. Now, he couldn't save me, but it was that vicarious faith that stood in the gap and stood with my wife and prayed for me, and Christ saved my soul. That's the kind of people you want to be with, that have a purpose. And the purpose is to glorify God and to point you to Jesus Christ. Number two, the Bible says they were trying to get to him. They were doing everything that they could. But they had to stop and reboot because there was no way. Number two, they had patience. Woo, what a word. They had patience. I'm glad my friends who are my true friends never give up on me. Because I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I will let you down. I will let my friends down. Christ has never let me down. But one that knows they want to point me to Christ will keep on, keep on, and keep it on to the end. They have patience. You see, I want to tell you a story that I think all of you can identify with. I don't like large crowds. Believe it or not, when I go, and let me back this up. I love speaking of large crowds, but I don't like to, I, I don't like to, how about go out to eat somewhere where there's a sack full of people? My wife gets on to me about this all the time. You know you're the same way. You go to a restaurant, and there'll be 70 people out doing you going, oh, man, go somewhere else. This happened the other day when we was looking for an ice cream. I went, and I didn't think there'd be anybody there. Everybody this side of Spartanburg was there, and that just disappointed me. You're the same way. That you see things, and all of a sudden you give up. Are you like that? If your situation changes one little bit, you get frustrated and give up. I used to do that as a mechanic. If something wasn't going my way, oh, somebody else will get it. We used to call it hoodooing your buddy day. If you couldn't get it before the end of shift, leave it for the next guy. That was our mentality. To not take the time to fix it, to get it right. But to leave it for somebody else and easily give up. Do we have friends that easily give up trying to point us to Christ? You see, I want you to look what happens here. The Bible says when they didn't find a way, they didn't find a way, they went up on the roof and let him down 
through the tiles. They could have just dropped him at the door and said, I hope he comes by as he walks out. Or they could have given up and said, sorry, buddy. We'll call him buddy. We don't know who his name was. Sorry, buddy. Packed house. There's no room for you in the end. Let's go home. But what did they do? They climbed on top of the roof. Now, me talking about dragging a body downstairs, how about dragging one with dead weight upstairs? You ever thought about this? What you think about this a minute? This same cot, they got to get him up there. There was no dumb waiters or elevators. So they go up there, and you got to think about buildings back then. Okay, Buildings back then were built in what we'd call a Roman Greco-style building. Okay, They would have their roof trusses, if you will, put up, but what they would do was fill them with clay and straw and then tile them. So not only did they have to dig through the roof, they had to take the tiles out. Now, can you imagine being a... Let me back up. Can you imagine being in church? This beautiful building that everybody loves, and all of a sudden somebody digging a hole through the roof. Tiles falling on you. What is this? Now, we'd go crazy, wouldn't we? Now, somebody's house, they dug through it. Now, I guarantee you, it'd make you think you'd go crazy doing it in here. Imagine if it was your own home. And somebody's meeting that, and here these guys are chiseling out your roof. Have you priced shingles lately? But yet, not only did they remove the tiles, they removed the dirt. It would have been very easy to give up. But they thought for a few moments, let's consider how we may get this man to Christ. Don't give up, people. Don't give up. I promise you, as I'm standing here today, I can't guarantee anything. I don't have that power. The only thing that I can guarantee is we're all going to die. That I can guarantee you. But I can't tell you that every single one of you are going to have the rest of the day and life so hunky-dory. I can't do that. But what I can guarantee you is this. When your eyes and your purpose is to get to Christ, it doesn't matter the outcome. He'll walk with you. And that should be our mentality as friends. I have some people that I call friends, maybe acquaintances, that wouldn't darken this door if their life depended on it. I have family. I guarantee you, you do too. You know who I'm talking about. Maybe it's your own father. Maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's your best buddy. That wouldn't get out of the lecture chair to even darken this community. Their presence. Don't give up. For the same people that prayed for me have taught me this. To pray for others and know that God is still available to save. Stand up when people can't stand up for themselves. You said, and you said, well, Chad, you said you can't save nobody. I can't. But I believe standing and praying in faith, God will provide opportunities for people to hear the gospel by which men may be saved. Period. Have a little patience. I thought about that. Yesterday, look, I'm like the rest of us. My patience run thin on certain things. I got upset with my child last night. I apologize for it. 
But it made me realize this. Again, go back and think. What if Jesus had a short fuse with you? What if he give up on you every time that you fail? It's over. All I know is this. The very purpose of the man, of these men, was to see their friend saved. Physically healed. This is where it gets beautiful. But not only did they have patience, listen, they had persistence, number three. When they regrouped to see what they needed to do, again, they began to dig a hole. Now, they didn't just try to get through the group and say, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, coming through. They crashed the middle of the party. And this is one thing I love about this scripture. Now, it doesn't say, but again, going back to my illustration, where I talk about crashing in the middle of somebody's house, when I talk about crashing in, that probably wasn't a, a very common scene to see. But they kept on doing whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. Whatever it took. What are you willing to do that somebody may be saved? I'm going to go on an extreme that I wasn't going to go on this morning. But what kind of passion do your friends have and what kind of compassion and passion do you have as a friend? I could not help but think of something that changed my thoughts a long time ago. Now, all of us are familiar with the Apostle Paul. Paul was a man who, to be honest with you, didn't have many friends. Those he did was sincere and moved mountains by the grace of God. But let me tell you a little bit about Paul real quick for a few moments. His desire was to see the Jews saved. His people. His people. And Paul took it to the Gentiles, but his heart was for the Jews. He desired the people who beat him, who mocked him, who give him everything that they possibly could to deter him. Everything. Everything they throwed at him or threw at him was to deter him. But yet he loved them. I want you to listen to this. Romans 9 tells me this. Paul writes, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Listen. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to reread that again. So I want us to understand what's happening here. I am telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, to the flesh who are the Israelites. Do you want me to tell you what he's saying? His heart is so heavy for his brethren that he's willing to go to hell for them. Now y'all are looking at me like you're shocked. Read the scripture. 
Now, my list to go to hell for is a short one. Now, I want everybody to be in shock right now. So I want you to think about this. Maybe you've never heard that verse. Now, he couldn't because he was saved by the grace of God, but I believe he is sincere. Because he had a desire for his own kinsman. Do you know what a cursed means? Somebody say it. Separated from Christ. I would be for them. Now, I want you to think about that. Now, that's compassion, isn't it? That's compassion. That's beyond your comprehension. See, this is the passage of when people hear it, they go out and go, that man's lost his mind. Well, I didn't say it. It's written in God's Word that he loved Jesus so much. He desired so much for someone to be saved that he had sacrificed himself. That he was willing to give his life eternally. Now, I want to share that with you. For some reason, the Lord... Just give me that to share with you. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, but it clicked on me. To share this. How much do we care about seeing our friends come to Christ? And what would we be willing to do to help them get to the gospel? Are we complacent? Do we sit back and say, you know what? God's sovereign. We sung it. So he knows what's going to happen. Let me tell you something. I praise God for the obedience and the sacrifice of four men willing to lift lower a man through the roof to get to Christ. They could not save him, but they stood up when he couldn't stand up for himself. And they give him the opportunity to get to the feet of the Savior who would save his soul. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, not only did Paul say this in Romans 9, he said it again in Romans 10. I want you to think about it just for a few moments. Our purpose is for the glory of God. The people that we surround ourselves, our friends, we're to help them for the glory of God. We're to be that friend for the glory of God, for our good and for the glory of God. And I want you to look what it says. Now, when he gets to the bottom, seeing their faith, do you hear that? Seeing their faith, their faith, their faith, plural. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, of course, the religious get all tore up about this. The scribes and Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Let me tell you about the healing here. And I want to make something perfectly clear. Spiritual healing comes before physical healing. Listen. Every time we pray for our friends, every time we seek 
Someone who is going through a lot. Now, I know this caused controversy too, but I want you to listen to me. Spiritual healing outweighs uh, physical healing. Period. Because there's a lot of people, listen, that can be healed many times physically and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, this is what's so great about our Father. That if He decides to take any of us out of this world, whether immediately or whether through a drawn-out sickness, He has promised He would never leave us or forsake us. And when I leave this earth, I'm going to spend eternity with Christ because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those people that may be healed physically and not spiritually have only a few more years to live and they won't be in the presence of Christ. We are not of this world if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ. Our world is to come. And everything that we do should be to point people toward the eternal security found in the cleansing of sin through Jesus Christ. Period. Now, I want to go back for a few moments now, there's those that got upset with Jesus, the religious. They're sitting there trying to pick out things left and right. They weren't considered, considered of this paralytic man. They were considered themselves. And that shows you the difference of the two. One group didn't care what it took. And even, can you imagine the responses they got? They didn't care. This man needed healing. And the other said, who is these? And you know, hey, you've been there. Man, who is that? Just come walk through the church. They don't look like I do. They don't reason like I do. They don't have the money I do. They don't have the intellect that I do. I know God's Word. And now here Jesus has done gone beneath. He's at their level now. Look at what a sorry man. Who is this supposed to be? He's supposed to be a teacher? Who is he to forgive men of sins? He's God. He has the authority. Not only can He heal you spiritually, He can heal you physically. But if He don't heal you physically, praise God if you're healed spiritually. Amen. Amen? Look. But they got upset. So Jesus saw their reasoning. This is great. He knows your thoughts. Can you imagine that? You talking about me? Why are you reading this? Why are you saying this? What is easier to do? Yeah, I can touch this man temporarily. He can get up and he can walk. But I have the authority to cleanse him eternally. Get up and walk. Now look at the thing. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Did you hear that? They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, fearing, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. I want to give this very clear. When 
when God heals you spiritually, I can't promise you that he will heal you physically. I don't have that capability. Not everybody is healed physically. But the Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be healed spiritually. Do friends point you to Christ and do you point others to Christ? Is that your purpose with your friends? You know, people have told me, so Chad, you know, every time I bring up Christ, they get mad at me when I don't want to hang out with them more. Well, let me tell you something. That's off of you. That's on them. If you've done everything that you can to present the gospel, to live the Christ-fearing life in front of them, you can't make people fellowship. But I have to believe if your purpose is to point somebody to Christ, they'll remember. Do you have patience with your friends? Do they have patience with you? I praise God that people's patience didn't run out with me. Or still do as far as that matter. And they may run out with you, I don't know. But my point is this. God is better than we are. And I praise the Lord that he definitely has any had patience with me. And I praise the Lord that he provided friends who had patience with me. You see, I can't tell you when some people I know will be saved. I can't tell you that they will. But what I can tell you is I'll stand in faith that God's going to work something in their life. And I want you to think about this. Side note. I want you to think about this. Getting sick was the greatest thing that happened to this man, this paralytic. What do you mean? Because it got him to Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Listen, on a side note, think about it. Sometimes sickness will point you to Jesus. Sometimes circumstances will happen to get your eyes to open. God's not aimless. Some of the greatest things that have ever happened to people were catastrophic events that God used for His glory and for the greater of people's good to point them to Christ. I used this illustration a couple of times. I want you to think about it. As the missionary was at a leper colony, and they were taking requests for hymns. This one lady with a nub of a hand reached up her hand. And they said, yes, what would you like sung? She said, count your many blessings. You see, regardless of what your physical state is, your eternal state is more important. And when you've been healed spiritually, regardless if you have an infirmity or not, you are signed, sealed, and delivered by the Spirit of God. Amen. Be encouraged by that. But I ask you, are you or your friends pointing each other to Christ? Are you having patience with, other, with each other? And number three, are you persistent? It's very easy to ignore the questions sometimes because we don't like to be embarrassed. We don't want to be put in embarrassing situations. We don't want to have our feelings hurt. We may be afraid we're going to lose a friendship. Have you ever been there? 
well, man, if I say something about Jesus, they may not be my friend anymore. Been there, done that. Chatham trying to build a relationship with them. Share the gospel. I'm not saying drive something down their throat, but tell them, you know what? Let me tell you what happened to me. That's being a friend. That your desire is to point other people to Jesus Christ. I pray, and I thank God continuously for the friends I had that pointed me to Christ. That saw the error of my ways and did everything they could and never give up on me. Persistence. Putting me where I needed to be to open my eyes. I, I, I think about this today. Now look, these men, and I'll close with this, carried this man with a cloth, climbed up on a roof, stripped tiles, dug out the roof, and lowered him down. Now today, first of all, we had called Uber to bring a van. Then we'd have threw him in the back of it. Hold on a minute while we fall off. Then we'd have followed him, then we'd have called somebody, man, there's too many people here. Well, somebody might say, well, we probably could get up on the roof, then we're going to call a lift. Or maybe a conveyor to get him up on the top. Then once we got up there, I'm sure we'd hire some people to dig the hole. Once we dig the hole, we've got to make sure we have the right person that can rig it to get them down on the floor. Once we got them on the floor, we'll say, well, there'll be enough people to take care of, and we'll go home and see you later. <laughs> Nobody laughed. It ain't funny, is it? The persistence of these friends, they saw it through to the end, which is called perseverance. Not only did they do what it took, they saw it through. And the Bible says they left rejoicing in the Father. Their hard work paid off. They wasn't glorifying their self. Look what we done, guys. They rejoiced in the Father for what He had done. Do we have friends like that? Are we a friend like that? You see, I got to thinking again as I close real quick on the Paul deal. Romans is a beautiful book. It's called The Mount Everest of Theology. Now, Chad, where are you going with this? You're going on a side tangent. Now, listen to me. You want to learn about friendship? You learn about the compassion of one man who really wants to see people saved. You see a lot. That what we're willing to sacrifice for the salvation of another man's soul. That's love, brothers and sisters. And I believe that's something that we should echo. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, like Paul, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm secured by Jesus. But I also know this, that if you see the heart and the soul of a man who was willing to do whatever it took to see somebody saved, that gives you a different perspective on evangelism, doesn't it? But we have that desire. Again, as I tell you, my desire as, this, as the pastor of this church is not to see people fill these pews. That is irrelevant to me. My desire is to see people in the pews filled with Christ. You hear what I'm saying? We can, if you want to fill this church, we can do all kinds of things and we'll get people to come. 
I was telling somebody a little earlier in the week, I guarantee you, and we, we, we discovered this, we were sharing it, and the small group we got to go to. And I encourage you outside though, but small groups are great. But we were visiting one Friday, and this came up. And we Googled some churches. I guarantee you that you can go anywhere and find what you want to hear. At any given time, you will find what you like. If you don't like this one, then play checkers and jump to another one. They will find, then you'll get tired of that. You see what I'm saying? Any place you go, if you search hard enough, you'll find what you want to hear. That's a fact. But I can tell you here, our desire is to see people come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And whether it's 10 people or whether it's 10,000, we will live and serve our Lord Jesus Christ and build up one another for the kingdom. That's what our purpose is for. And I pray that you have the same desire. So listen, as you go to work tomorrow, as you call your friend, I want you to pray about it. How are they influencing you or how are you influencing them? Are we a stepping stone or are we a stumbling block? Do we pray enough and intercede? Do we get on their knees? That person that you may know, he's the hardest human being I've ever met. We'll pray for him. Because, listen, here's the thing. This is great. I've been waiting to say this. God clears this up before He cleans this up. Let God work. Let God work. Have a purpose. Have patience. And have persistence. And grow and learn in perseverance. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace, Your mercy. God, we pray today that we would be an example for Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that You would move among us. That, Lord, we would see opportunities that present themselves for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God, that we would not only be a friend but we would try our best to know that the people we hang out with or try to influence their sole purpose, or our sole purpose, first and foremost above anything, is to point them to You. Lord, let us have that passion of Paul that we do whatever it takes. And God, I pray today that as you put people in our path, that we'd make a bold stance for the gospel. Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.